0: Always, the thinking is, but a retreat is so much more expensive and so much more difficult to fill up. Usually, how come I get ten people for India or for Nepal, and I get four people for online classes? But yeah, when I think who comes to my classes, is not much overlap. So the people who come to the classes usually don't come to the retreats, and vice versa.
1: You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow teacher through a mini-strategy session. These Honor Coaching Calls are a fascinating peek into the brains and lives of other yoga teachers. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. And are you Spanish? I'm Spanish, yes. I'm in Spain right now. Tell me a little bit about your background with yoga Yes, indeed. So I I had a
0: very stressful job. I I used to work as an interpreter, so simultaneous translation. And I started practicing yoga in 2000, around 2000. And then I did my first yoga teacher training in 2011. And I started teaching then just to my friends and neighbors as I I, I was still working as an interpreter. And at some point, I, I just decided to make it my, my full-time career. So I quit my job and I started traveling and organizing retreats because that was where my heart was. I, I was uh, going to a lot of retreats when I was working and, and I could see how good it was for me. So I thought, oh, I, want, I want to do this. I, I think I, I have the skills, I have the, the passion for it. So I started organizing retreats around the world.
1: Where are some of the places that you love to go, that you love to lead retreats? I love, absolutely adore going to Greece. It's like my, I
0: don't know, I feel it's, it's like almost my, my home country. I speak Greek fluently. So the first time I, I went to Greece, I, it felt like home. So I go there two, one or two times a, a year. I do one or two retreats there.
1: Yeah, I really love the country, the people, everything, the, the food, the music, the language. When you were working as an interpreter, was that specifically with Greek or several languages? Several languages. So I would do
0: simultaneous translation from English, French, German, Greek, and Italian into Spanish, so in, into my, my mother tongue. Yeah, so it was, it was okay. beautiful,
1: but very, very stressful. So I really needed yoga. To balance that out. And you speak a lot of different languages. I do. Yes. Yeah. Is that just a passion or did you have a background that contributed to it? Um, My mom is German. So that was
0: German was already in the house. My father was half French. We used to go to France for holidays. Then I learned English. Then I I fell in love with Greece and learned Greek and yeah, then Italian. So, and I I love, I love learning every language. Yes. And, and learning about cultures and it really opens your mind.
1: So leading retreats is your passion and you've been doing that successfully for quite a while. What happened during the pandemic for you? That was, that was
0: I had how many,
1: I think five retreats lined up. They were fully booked.
0: So they all fell down, but somehow I managed to uh, reschedule two in Greece. It was in Greece into September, 2020. And some people rescheduled, there were new people, so I could make them a reality in September 2020. But it was like, yeah, it was really, really strange times. So I had to um, yeah, cancel a few of them, reschedule a few of them. It, it was a difficult feeling because I, I had the feeling I was letting people down, even though it wasn't really my, my responsibility because I couldn't do anything. So I I made everything possible to at least have these two retreats and they were
1: beautiful and so much needed. Yeah. So that was September 2020. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So the question that you submitted to me that you wanted to talk about today, I'm just going to read it because you laid it out very eloquently in your intake form. I have a small social media following and 600 people on my email list. I organize around four to five retreats a year and they're mostly fully booked just by sending emails. I absolutely adore my students who are willing to follow me anywhere from India to Nepal, Spain, Greece, Portugal, but the problem comes with selling online workshops or series as easy as the retreats sell out without much effort. It seems almost impossible to get more than five to six people for my online offerings. And there's my question. How come people are willing to come to India or Nepal with me, but they don't come to my online classes? Where is the missing link? Yes, yeah. Such a good question. <laughs> And I think the first thing we have to do is really recognize that people want something very specific from, they have a specific desire, right? And the people who want online yoga are maybe not the same people as want to travel to Greece or India or Nepal to do yoga right? They may not be the same people. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that there's a bit of a challenge if you're trying to market two very different offerings to the same group of people, unless it does turn out that they want both, Mm -hmm. right? But we can't assume that they want both. We can't assume that just because somebody is willing (laughs) to go to India or Greek or Nepal, what is it that they get out of that? What do they receive from that that is different from the online offerings?
0: Well of course it's it's so much different. It's, it's thrilling, it's a trip, it's an adventure, it's something new, it's yes it, maybe they are looking for not only the yoga, but also everything that goes together with the with the yoga
1: classes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think from the yoga teacher's perspective, it's hard for us to relate to being willing to pay so much money for a retreat and not pay so little yeah. money for an ongoing practice later yes. on at home. Yes. What, what's going on here? This doesn't yeah. make any sense. But in order to make sense of it, we kind of have to talk to the actual people that you're thinking about. I can make some good guesses, but if you want to find out really like why is that and is there any way to change that you're gonna to have to have conversations with those people now i'm curious have you talked to any of them have you asked them directly to to the people who come to my retreats why don't they come no
0: no i haven't no i just i just send my newsletters and hope for the best but
1: <laughs> that's it i think that's awesome yes. when it works right that's the ideal, right? We just want to send our newsletters out and, ha- and fill up our retreats. That's perfect. <laughs> and, our, and our online offerings. That's exactly what we want. And there are times when that doesn't work or there are times where it used to work and it stops working. And at that point, we have to start getting curious. And sometimes also we have to get vulnerable. We have to get curious and vulnerable. We need to ask some questions that could be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think they're more uncomfortable when we bring a fear of it being uncomfortable to the conversation. If we initiate the conversation with this acceptance of like, okay, it could get uncomfortable, but I don't need to feed into that energy. I'm going to be okay with any response, basically. I'm curious. If you think about the quality of curiosity, it's like a very... Vibrant, open, it's not necessarily comfortable, but being uncomfortable is not a problem when you're curious mm-hmm. to discover why something's not working that in your mind seems like it should approach it with curiosity and start asking questions. So when is your next retreat? My next retreat is in Nepal, 14
0: to 24th of October. So looking really looking
1: forward to it. It's it's fully booked. I wonder if there's any opportunity for you to talk to people. I would say one on one would be best. You might even just handpick a few people if they have come on several retreats with you, and you think of them as being the perfect fit for your online classes, and they've never signed up. If you could find some way to take a walk with them, to have a tea with them individually on that retreat in person, one-on-one, and be really upfront and say, hey, I've been working on growing my online offerings I created these as a way to help people who come on retreat with me maintain their practice in between retreats. Mm -hmm. And because you're somebody that I really think of as being the perfect fit for these, I want to pick your brain about it. I want to ask you some questions. And you can ask these questions, like not like in a way of why aren't you (laughs) signing up for my classes, (laughs) 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 but more like You're an expert in being you, and you're the type of person I think Mm. of when I create these classes. Mm. So what can I find out about what drives you, what motivates you, what inspires you, Mm. and either learn that the online classes just isn't the right format. They're just not interested in it, and then they never will Mm. be. Or is there something that you could do differently in the format or how you talk about Mm. it? That would inspire them to sign up. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you do series and workshops. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Because mm, I
0: cannot really maintain a regular schedule because I'm, I'm leaving often for, for the retreats. So whenever I have a full month when I'm put in my house in, in Spain, then I offer a series of four classes with a topic or something specific. It's usually Yin because I really like teaching Yin Yoga. So that's, that's what I yeah. offer or a specific workshop, yin yoga for winter or yin yoga for sleep, for digestion, something like that on, on weekends, because I always think it's easier for people. But even those,
1: they, no, they don't really, they're not very popular. A series and a workshop with a theme has a natural urgency to it, right? If you want to sign up, you have a deadline. And do you send out an email the day of the deadline? Like this is your last Maybe dance? I'm
0: not so good with that because I sent maybe an, an email one week before saying, okay, remember in September we start again with a series of four yin yoga classes and that's it. I don't send another reminder just to for fear of being too much, you know, the, the usual <laughs> stuff. Maybe I, maybe I should be a bit better in communicating Because I know life happens and people forget about things and deadlines. So maybe one one day before reminder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think this is an important thing to Mm -hmm. highlight about the difference between a retreat and an online offering is that with a retreat, they know they need to get their airfare. So they know they cannot put it off until the last minute. But with an online offering, what I've noticed, even in myself, is if I can put it off, Mm. if I can put off making a commitment, I will. And if I put off making a commitment and then I don't get a reminder, I forget. I'm curious about what your students' perspectives are, but I suspect that this is at least a part of it, is that they don't feel any urgency to commit, and then they're not being reminded Mm. at the last minute. Now there's urgency. And then it's gone, yeah. I think that there's a, a way that you've been really lucky and privileged that your retreats have sold so mm-hmm. easily that it has prevented you from needing to learn some of the skills that you would need to fill your other classes. Yes, yeah, I-
0: exactly. Because, yeah, always the thinking is, but a retreat, I mean, is so much more expensive and so much more difficult to fill up. Usually, how come I get 10 people? for India or for Nepal and I get four people for online classes, but yeah, yeah, I'm starting to see the difference in in the marketing and, and in the people actually, because when I think who comes to my classes, it's not much overlap with the people who go to the retreats and the people who come to the classes.
1: So the people who come to the classes usually don't come to the retreats and vice versa. So I have another idea. This is something you could experiment with a little bit is what if you talked about the online classes during the retreats and you planted some seeds? Notice how you feel now with having this consistent practice. I have online classes designed to help you integrate the work that you're doing here into your everyday life. You can't just go on retreat and expect that the changes are going to be permanent without maintenance. You need maintenance. My online classes are designed to be ongoing maintenance to help you integrate the changes that you've made, the growth that you've experienced on this retreat. So you can sort of frame it a little bit more deliberately. When you're in person, there's so much more power to your communication. Sending an email, it's like they are receiving that email within the midst of their everyday life, within the pile of their other emails. Mm -hmm. So in order for them to even read that email, the timing has to be just right. They have to have the mental bandwidth at the time that they see your email. Then they have to not be interrupted partway through and they have to not get distracted by something else or other random thought. Whereas when you're on the retreat with them they're fully focused on you they're fully present in the moment and they're really connected to their practice so if you can more explicitly create the connection between the two offerings and then maybe even offer some kind of incentive for them to sign up before they leave here's a special opportunity for my retreat participants to encourage you and support you to continue your practice after you go home.
0: Yeah. Yes. Or even like sending a follow-up. I usually send a follow-up message. I always create like a WhatsApp group for each retreat. And then when everybody's back home, I send a message, like hoping everybody made it right made it well home. And so maybe there is a moment to remind and send the link again to the, the classes also.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. And if you could offer something to the people who choose to sign up while they're still in person, remember that we'll put things off if we can. The reminder you send after the fact is not going to be as powerful as the invitation you make in person. If they put off the decision when you're in person, the chances of them following through on the reminder have been diminished. I'd love to see some kind of all access membership for somebody who wants to sign up for all of your series that's like only available to retreat participants. And then there's like either they're signing up for a whole year or it's like a monthly fee, but it's lower than they would pay if they signed up for things individually, something where instead of having to make the decision over and over and over, the people who have already committed so much by coming on retreat with you have an opportunity to extend their commitment and continue their practice without having to make that decision over and over. Yes. I also have um, like a membership where
0: like a Netflix type of membership where I put all the, the recordings of the Zoom classes. So maybe that could include that plus all the live classes, something like that, only for retreat attendance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. like that
1: a lot. There's just this really ripe opportunity when they're at the end of a retreat and they're really feeling mm-hmm. the effect of their practice. And that is the most inspired they will ever be (laughs) to make a commitment. And it's hard. You can talk about this with them, how hard it is with the best of their intentions. Once they get home, it's easy to get swept up in the rhythm of their old habits and patterns. So if they want to create lasting change, there needs to be something different, some anchor to connect them to what they did on retreat. And this membership could be that anchor. Yes, that sounds good. Mm,
0: bit worried. Maybe, maybe there's also one of the causes, is that because of my schedule with the retreats, it, it it's not very um, consistent. So I had September series. Now in October I'm gone, so there's nothing in October. Then November, December, yes. Then I'm gone again in in January, so maybe that's putting people off. Also, I guess that there's no real continuity. So maybe I should focus more on only on your workshops and not
1: really on, on on series. I don't know. The people who do sign up, do they seem to like workshops better or series? I think they enjoy they enjoy the the
0: series. They enjoy the continuity week after week. But I cannot offer. M-
1: much of a continuity rather than maybe two months, you know. Yeah. I mean, it is it is a bit challenging when you are including live sessions, but the live sessions aren't consistent. Mm-hmm. One pattern that I'm noticing is that people are really preferring live classes mm-hmm. online to pre-recorded classes online. I think part of it is that there's now so many pre-recorded classes out there to mm-hmm. choose from that the choice itself becomes overwhelming. But if you sign up for a live class, then there's this accountability of I signed up for it and I get the live experience if I show up for this specific class. Yes. That's why
0: I stop when I'm, not, when I'm on retreat because I don't want to do all pre-recorded because it doesn't have the same impact, I guess. How much is your library
1: membership? It's 33 euros per month, class of VAT. How many people do you have signed up for your library membership?
0: No one. <laughs> right now, no one. I had one person, but uh, she canceled in, thing in August. Yeah, so right now it's no one. Oh. And four, okay. four people in, for the, the live series
1: in, in September. Could you commit... To doing one live class per month. Yeah, that would be feasible. Yeah. So what if you did this? Because right now nobody's in the membership, you can do whatever you want with it. That includes the library plus one live class and a discount on series. So now you have consistency. What you're paying for is the library plus one live class. And... If you can get most of your retreat people to sign up for that membership, then there becomes like this reunion feeling involved where it's not just about taking the yoga. It's also about reconnecting with the people from retreat. So what if you charge something like 40 euros a month for the one live class plus the library, and then you offered them a 50% discount on your series? Because these people are already not taking it. So any more... That you get in each series is a benefit to you. And they've already paid you 40 euros a month for yep. just one class and, and a library yeah. that you already have. 40 euros a month for somebody who can afford to go on a retreat, that's doable. Maybe it's something like this. If you sign up during the retreat, it's 40 euros a month. You can sign up anytime, but it'll be 50 euros a month. So now there's some incentive, some reason for signing up now while I'm inspired. And there's also some incentive also to sign up for the series classes because I get special deal. Nobody else gets this deal, right? I'm special. I don't know if this plan will work. Yeah, but it's, it's a plan.
0: <laughs> I have nothing to lose,
1: so for sure. And I would do it alongside starting to have the habit of talking to your retreat participants about this talking about it during the retreat, mention it a lot. People need repetition. As teachers, we start to feel like we're a broken record. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> some of the cues that we share in our classes where we're like, you've been taking classes with me for five years. How is it that you still don't do this? We need yeah, lots of repetition. I know. I know.
0: It, it, it's. True. I don't even mention sometimes that I have a YouTube channel where I, I put some of the live classes and, and- a lot of people don't even know that i have a, a youtube channel i should focus on on more communication for sure that's that's something i can improve yeah yeah
1: is there any part of this plan or these ideas that i've shared today that you're still not sure about or that you feel uncomfortable with
0: no not at all because it's it's doable it's something that yeah makes me feel okay, that it's a commitment that I can make no matter where I am in the world. I can still do one life class a month. It's not that I have to find a place every, every week and, but one, yeah. Yes. And it doesn't have to be the same week or the same day it can be moved around. So yeah, it's, it's practical. It's, it's easy to implement. I think I took a lot of notes and there's,
1: yeah, I have a lot of good for thought um, and little things to implement. I hope that you'll stay in touch and that you'll keep me updated with this experiment, how it, how it goes. I'm super curious. Yes, I will. Thank you, Laura. Good to You're meet perfect. you.